Whether you're an entrepreneur, event planner, political organizer, video producer, cattle farmer, fashion designer, architect, real estate agent, or magazine editor, Airtable can help you create your way. Learn more and get a special offer for the Founders Project listeners at Airtable.com slash Founders Project. Welcome to Inks, the Founders Project with Alexa Von Tobel. I'm Alexa, founder of LearnBest, author of the New York Times bestselling book, Financially Fearless, the forthcoming book, Financially Forward, and most recently, founder and managing partner of Inspired Capital, a venture firm committed to investing in founders who are building our future. Each week, I love to sit down with a top entrepreneur to share their story of guts, inspiration, and drive. I'm so excited about this week's guest. We have Shan, the founder and CEO of Zola, one of the country's top wedding websites. I can't even tell you how many times I've seen and used uh, Zola as a consumer. Um, after graduating from Stanford Business School, Shan jumped into a product and marketing career. She started at Yahoo before joining Gilt as their first ever product person. She became the GM of Guilt Taste, getting a chance to be an entrepreneur within a large organization. And in 2013, she decided to launch a company on her own and built Zola to transform the wedding registry process. Since then, Zola has been a complete rocket ship. The company has now helped a half million couples and raised over $140 million in funding. I'm so excited to welcome Shan. Welcome, Shan. Thank you. So happy to be chatting with you. So excited to have you here. Truly also, just Zola is such a beautiful site, and it really is so easy to use as a consumer. I should note that I was not using Zola many times. I've only gotten married once. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But as a wedding guest, I've used Zola countless times. So let's just start um, with Zola. In your own words, what is Zola? At Zola, we're really building the one-stop shop for all things wedding. So we aim to serve engaged couples from that first day that they get engaged through their wedding planning journey and into their first years of newlywed life. And we do it using design and technology. When you uh, joined Guild, you were then the startup's first product person. Mm -hmm. Product today, you know, product people today are kind of the MBAs of the future in so many ways. And I just want to hear about your own journey as a product expert. How has that evolved? I have really loved working in product at both Guild and many other companies. And I think of it as um, the ultimate responsibility of the product manager and the product team is how do you be the expert and the voice of the user. And I think it's set me up and it set so many other people up in the product world to ultimately, you know, one day be entrepreneurs and founders. Um, So when I think about, you know, how do you use product, a lot of it is just how do you know and talk to as many users as possible? How do you deeply understand their pain points and needs? And then be partnering in lockstep with design and engineering to innovate on behalf of those users. And if you can do that, I think you're a really good product person. I was going to say, what do you think makes a product person stand out? What What is it if, if somebody is exceptional at product? What would you say is that skill set that they have? I think first and foremost, it's being able to understand what are all the different ways they can be empathetic with their users or their target audience? Um, so that could could be you know being really relentless about talking to users one on one, doing focus groups, testing prototypes, doing A/B testing, and then being great a great communicator at sharing that with your entire company, but most importantly with the 
design and engineering team that you're partnering with to make sure that you can then brainstorm together what are possible ideas to solve some of these pain points. And I think the best ideas and the best products come from this trio of the core team working together to create solutions that users could never have anticipated, have never seen before, but ultimately are put out into the world because that trio understood the pain points and had creative ideas to solve them. And the best sign of success is if that team is able to quickly test and put out products, in uh, real products in front of users quickly to then measure, is this something users love, want to share, want to uh, use again and again? And if so, that's a sign of a great product and a great product manager. I totally agree. And I would add, I think it's also the best product people, in my opinion, understand the business side and the business need to why are we building X, Y, and Z platform product surface and can understand how to best communicate with the engineering team. Um, So it really is being that mind meld between business and engineering. And then obviously the third kind of user they need to love and be obsessed with is the customer. Um, Yeah. And actually just to add on to that. Please go. go. You're so good at this. I think the the thing that product is ultimately responsible for, which is kind of different to other parts of any company, is that product is responsible for always prioritizing the things that are going to have the biggest impact on both the user as well as the business. So while they represent the user, um, what they prioritize has to, to be equally impactful on the users and the business. And if they are doing their job well, they are prioritizing the right things with that criteria. So that is a perfect segue to my next question, which is you started Zola. It's 2013. Walk me through a little bit of what that journey was like for you. Where did you start on the product side? How did it evolve in your own narrative, knowing that you were at the helm of uh, listening to your customer at the end of the day? Yeah. Well, 2013, which was the year that we started Zola, I was going to a lot of my friends' weddings because they all got married at exactly the same time. (laughs) It only happens that way. You're like, this year we have 18 weddings and no money. It's contagious. (laughs) And so was buying a lot of gifts for my closest friends from wedding registries that they had set up. And in 2013, the wedding registry um, field was dominated by big traditional department store retailers. So I was shopping for my friends on their registries and finding that these registries were some of the worst e-commerce shopping experiences I had ever seen. And having worked in e-commerce products for a long time, I was complaining to Nobu, who is my co-founder and someone I had worked with for years at Guild. Uh, I was complaining how bad these online shopping experiences were. And I, as the user and the guest, had this pain point. And then he started talking about how bad it was from the couple's point of view, because he was married. He saw it from that perspective. And we just looked at each other. We thought we are the right combination to do a fundamentally better job. And we think we could reinvent the wedding registry by providing our friends getting married a much better way to register for the things they really want in a way that's easy, mobile enabled, and beautiful. And so we, process wise, you asked, you know, how did we then get from that to kind of starting to think about the product? It was a lot of talking to users, understanding what they wanted from the registry, and hearing the same themes again and again. We kept hearing the same three things come up. And so we thought we can tackle them and we can solve them in a way that no one else is doing in the wedding registry space. 
So then, you know, as you thought about product expansion, so you guys now do invitations. I mean, you yeah. really have followed your customer. I just want to get a sense of how did you know when it was time to launch something like the invitations business? What aha moment did you see either in the data or from feedback that led you to say, okay, now it's time for us to go launch uh, literally the, the invitations that are around this event? Yeah. We actually focused on that first wedding registry product for four years because we really wanted to make sure that we had nailed it and we had created a huge lead between ourselves and any other wedding registry. Um, And it was only after we saw we had very clear product market fit in the wedding registry product that we started to think about what else are our customers asking us for and which one of those things should we prioritize. And actually at that time, the most popular thing that couples were telling us was they were saying, we love Zola for our wedding registry. I already have my photos on my registry. I've personalized it. If I could just add a few more details about my wedding, I could also make it my wedding website and I'd be done and it'd be all in the one place. So we thought that was interesting. And that was actually what drove the second product. Uh, We launched in 2017 the product we call Zola Weddings, which is the free wedding website product, as well as a guest list manager and a checklist. And those things um, we we kind of were really driven by our couples who loved us for registry. And we did a lot of testing. We did a lot of iteration. And as a result, at launch, we then saw phenomenal kind of traction right out of the gate because we had already, I think, had that pent up demand and uh, had the the testing in the product. So that was the second product. And then uh, it worked so well, we thought we should do more products faster. (laughs) So last year, we launched two new products. First was invitations and paper, and the second was uh, Real Weddings uh, Marketplace, where you can see real wedding photography and then see all the vendors, local wedding vendors associated with those weddings. God, I'm so upset that way back, I got married in 2013, you built Zola beginning in 2013. I completely missed this. When you thought about, um, to your point, so, you know, so much strategy, I can, even just sitting with you, I can see it. You have just such a strategic mind. You were like... Four years, we nailed our first product. You said you got product market fit. When did you know you had product market fit? Tell, I mean, everybody's everybody talks about product market fit. What did it mean for Zola when you were like, we've nailed it? How did you know? So I think there were two aha moments um, that, that I have in my mind as it relates to product market fit. So one was actually before we even launched the wedding registry, we had different prototypes that we had been putting in front of users and we were putting them in front of um, couples that were going to get married the following year. And so we didn't have anything live yet, but we had an Envision prototype that we would show them and get their feedback. And we wanted to really wait to hear, would they ask to use it for their own wedding? And so we tried to not oversell them or to try to kind of have them be you know, unnecessarily positive when maybe they weren't feeling it. So we tried to not act like we wanted to hear something specific. We just sat back, we let them walk us through our prototype and then said, okay, thanks for the feedback, appreciate it. And the first few times we did that, the couples would say, okay, great, good luck. And so we iterated, we took their feedback, we incorporated it. And at some point after a few rounds, people started to say, when can I use this product? Or can you make sure this is ready in time for my own wedding or 
can I sign up for it the day that it becomes available and will you let me know? And that moment, that was when we kind of knew we had something. We knew we had a product that would likely have product market fit. So that was pre-launch. And that was ultimately why we decided to kind of run <laughs> at this wedding registry product as quickly as possible. I would say the second moment was a few years after launching the wedding registry. And we started to see our NPS score, so our net promoter score, take a huge step up. And it took a huge step up in a way that um, we could see both in the data, but we could feel viscerally whenever we spoke to anyone who had used Zola, either through our user research or even friends one-on-one. It would go from saying, oh, I use Zola. It was great. Thank you. I you know, really liked it too. <coughs> People started to use the L word, which I kind of consider as the magic product word you want to hear, which is People would say, I love this product. You don't understand how much I love it. I love it. <laughs> and that, to me, is the one of the best signs of product market fit. I love it. I, I, did you hear me? I, I literally just said that. That's amazing. I appreciate so much you just being able to clarify that. That's so helpful. Because I, I think people always talk about product market fit, but it truly means different things to different customer bases. And what you just described actually means the same thing to all different products. Yes. Which I think is really helpful. So there you are, uh, 2013, rolled out now all these products. When you think about competition in this space, you've done some really smart things, which is, you know, operationally, which is you don't hold inventory. Walk us through a little bit of your strategy around Zola as you were thinking about how you were going to make sure you also had a better business. Yeah, one of the things that I'm most proud of is that we've not only been able to innovate in the products that we've built for couples planning their wedding, but we've also innovated on our business model. And this was a big learning that we had from our past e-commerce experience where we found and learnt in the hard way both the good things and the bad things about e-commerce. Uh, I think the, you know, the things that I learned that I wanted to avoid or to improve upon in any future consumer commerce business was how can we build a business model where we still are the single point of contact for the customer and we still can control the experience to make sure it's a great end-to-end shopping experience, but we don't have to buy all the inventory ship it from the manufacturer's warehouse to our warehouse and then out to the customer who then might return it back to us and then we send it back to the manufacturer. That's both a waste of travel time as well as capital. And that's one of the reasons many e-commerce companies ultimately don't work out. So the way that we were able to innovate upon this was through the technology platform that we built in-house, which was based on a learning that we had Um, from Gilt, which was, could we build a platform which connects seamlessly to hundreds of different brands directly into their order management and warehouse management systems so that we only trigger an order, which then gets sent directly from that warehouse directly to the customer once the customer says they actually want to receive it. Which is genius. (laughs) Which is is an innovative um, innovation that at you know, turns out that it's great for both the user as well as our business. And it means that we can create a more sustainable, long-term profitable company because we don't have all these inventory costs that have taken down so many other businesses. 
It also just, as you know, when you're getting married, uh, you tend to be moving. Yes. Um, in some capacity. And if you're registering for tons of different things. Yeah. By the way, not everything you want at the same address also. So, you know, some things maybe you're storing with your parents. Maybe they're, you want them to be at somebody else's apartment. There's lots of different reasons why that makes so much sense and is so valuable. <laughs> so, again, that's going back to delighting your customer. Huge improvements on just some of the basics that, again, I think you probably got from just listening yeah. to your customers. Yeah. So going back to kind of Zola and your, uh, your, you know, you being at the helm of, of running it, one, you have a co-founder, as you mentioned, and you've also talked really, um, I think, just strategically around how having a president could be helpful for operations. How do you think about your own management team? How have you evolved it? What have been your best decisions? Well, I think the the best decisions have had all to do with people. And the the leadership team that we have at Zola is the secret source of the business and our competitive advantage. You know, I think one of the things we all are proud of is that we probably have the strongest bench of e-commerce leaders anywhere in the city. One CEO founder who I admire greatly is Katrina Lake at Stitch Fix. And one thing she did, which uh, we are also trying to do at Zola, is hire leaders for each role who are the best possible person anywhere in that particular function. But they're also great leaders and people who are collaborative and excited to partner with other great leaders so that there's collaboration and aligned decision making. And I'm excited uh, that we've been able to have that dynamic within the Zola leadership team. And as it relates to Rachel, our president and COO, that is one of the best things that's ever happened to the business because Rachel is able to bring very complementary skill sets that I don't have and that the other leadership members did not have. And she is able to guide us on how we scale the company to the next stage of growth. And with that, we'll be right back after this. In the 1990s, an engineer and avid bird watcher named Eiji Nakatsu was fascinated by the way the kingfisher could dive into the water without making a splash. He later designed a new high-speed train for Japan Railway West based on the shape of the Kingfisher's beak, which broke world speed records while reducing noise and energy consumption. This creative breakthrough is brought to you by Airtable. Learn more and get a special offer for Founders Project listeners at airtable.com forward slash Founders Project. One thing I just want to say is I, I've been dying to know where the name Zola came from. <laughs> Where did Zola come from? You know, naming a company is probably one of the it's hardest so hard. things I've it's done. It's so hard. It's so hard. So we brainstormed possible names for months and months and months, and we came up with a lot of really terrible names. But we were lucky in that one of our summer interns, the summer we were working on the idea for Zola, was very determined to find the right name. And so he was looking at what the word love meant in different languages and he was going through the dictionary and he got to the Z languages and it turns out that in the Zulu language your know, love is Zola and that's that was the the name we picked I love it I hope that intern got a full-time job at some point um, which is amazing he has a great job now 
That's How amazing. did uh, LearnVest come about? I was walking in my apartment, and uh, I remember this. It was 2007, and I thought, learn. I was like, you need to learn, and you need to invest. And so I just said, LearnVest. And then we had an incredible designer named Tiffany who, when she was helping me kind of visualize it, she pointed out that it literally learn, earn, invest. Uh. And the rest was history. I mean, we I picked Learn Best, and just because of learning, investing, you have to put it together. It's both sides of the equation. Such uh, a great name. And yeah, it just stuck. And then she was pointed out that earn happened to also be in the <laughs> word. And I said, that's genius. That's genius. Um, which was so helpful. So in founding um, Zola, you've worked with Kevin Ryan. Yes. You knew at Guild. What's the best advice that Kevin Ryan gave you, and how was he involved in Zola? So. Kevin has given us a treasure trove of advice, but one of the best things that I always remember is that he tells me, your job as the CEO is to make yourself irrelevant. And when he first said that, it gave me pause because I thought, what does that mean? Shouldn't I be contributing a great deal and potentially more than anyone else to the company because you know, we have so much to do and not enough people to do it? But the more that you know, we progress as a business, the more that I realized um, how true and important that advice is. Because if I can make myself irrelevant, it will mean that I've built a company that is bigger than just myself and one that is enduring and sustainable and doesn't rely on any one person. Which is so important. And by the way, so hard to do, right? So Making hard. yourself irrelevant. Yeah. Um, so uh, hard. Uh, what would you say is the hardest decision you've had to make so far at Zola? I think it comes back to the, the classic product problem, product manager's problem, which is always how do you prioritize the things that will have the biggest impact on the business and the user, always given much more limited resources than you would like. Um, so each year we've had to pick what are the one to two to three products that we want to launch and expand on this year when we know that there's actually potentially 15 to 20 other products that our couples would love us to do that would be valuable, but we can't do everything all at the same time. And so we've it's always been very hard to pick because you never know what is the right decision until often in retrospect. Uh, so just to give an example, uh, this year, one of the things that we're actually launching this week is a wedding shop, which is the a one-stop place on Zola where you can buy wedding dresses, bridesmaids dresses, rings, tuxes, favors, night of, intimates. Uh, so everything for the day of the wedding. And we really wrestled for a long time with this decision because it is a significant amount of work. It's different to what we've done uh, in terms of building the other wedding planning products. But ultimately, we saw the demand pulling us into this by our couples. And when we thought about our bigger vision and the pieces that it required to get there, we saw this was a pretty big piece. Um, and that's why we made the decision to do it. But you know, it's it meant that we couldn't do a few other things that we wanted to build at the same time. 
And that's always hard. That I mean, those were the hardest decisions always for me. Is I, yeah. And I used to always say, can I have both? And yeah. my management <laughs> team would say, not a chance. And I would say, are you sure? <laughs> um, so I totally understand. Uh, you know, there's only so much time, so much money, and you have to make hard calls. One thing I just wanted to go into. So the wedding business is so interesting because you have couples who, uh, in theory, will only go through um, the ex- user experience of being the the bride and groom once, but you have their guests as users also. How do you guys think about customer segmentation? How do you think about delighting each of those individuals, the groom, the bride, the guests, which of course, you know, as I said, I've been a guest of yours on Zola many, many times. So first and foremost, we are focused on if we can serve the couple in all the ways that we think they deserve to be served in the wedding planning process, then we will have a great company and they will bring with them happy guests uh, because if it's hard to make the guest happy if the couple is not happy. And so first and foremost, we thought and really prioritized what are all the things that we can build that make the couple's lives easier. For example, we found that one of the big pain points a couple has is collecting all the contact information of their guests. And this is something that... It is the biggest (laughs) pain point. I'm still like, you just like absolutely got my full emotional reaction to... Oh my God, my husband now husband and I just the like the weeks of like do we have this one? It's right. This invitation came back. Yes. Blah blah blah. The yes. amount of pain yes. and he claims that he did all of that and I'm like <laughs> I don't think you did that alone. Um, so Cliff, if you're listening, I helped. <laughs> you probably more than helped. Yeah. But you know, I think that's one example where we thought, okay, we can really use design and technology to make it much easier for couples to collect the contact information and addresses of their guests. And if we do a great job, it will make the couples and the guests' lives easier. And, And then ultimately they will tell their friends and their friends, when they get married, will want to use Zola. And that kind of inbuilt virality was something that has been the biggest driver of our business. That's so great. So I want to just quickly move to you. So uh, you graduated Stanford. It's 2013. You're running Zola. Talk me through a little bit about your own personal journey. What's been like the biggest learning experience for you? What did you have to get better at that was hard for you? Everything's not an acceptable <laughs> answer. <laughs> well, you might have had this experience at business school where um, one of the big lessons I had was that when you're doing case studies and listening to founders and entrepreneurs who've been through the journey and they talk about the decisions they made, they talk about how at the time that you're making a decision, it's really unclear what the right answer is and you have nowhere close to full information to make that decision. And post-business school, when I was in different tech companies, I would always think, you know, I don't know why the CEO or the leaders aren't making decisions faster because it's so obvious to me what the right decision is. And, you know, I don't know why they can't make more decisions, make them faster and have clearer conviction about that. And now that I'm in that role, I realize how hard it is because you have a million decisions to make every day 
And some of them are not important. And some of them are the most important decisions you'll ever make in the company. But you don't know which is which. And you don't know if you have enough information to make the decisions. And yet you have to do it for the sake of company and and do it and move on. And so that decision-making process is relentless and it's probably the hardest thing that you don't necessarily realize until you're actually doing the role. But one of the lessons from business school was that the worst thing you can do is not make a decision. We had a motto, which was decisions are progress, which uh, is you just make, I love that. You have to make a decision. I love that. And they're progress. And you can always undo a decision and make a different decision, right? Yes. It's just, but you have to make the call. Yes. Um, and I always found that the uh, first, I always would get decision fatigue, it's, which yes. is fundamentally what you're saying, and that that's real. So I took all the other decisions that were not business-related decisions out of my life. I ate the same thing. <laughs> I would, like, organize my closet so I didn't have to think in the morning because decisions require yes. your brain being used. Yes. And so I would try to make it so that all of my energy could go into the business decisions. And then even then, you have really hard ones to make. (laughs) And you're like, goodness, it is my job to make this darn decision. So I I appreciate that. What about just like your own personal growth? Like, how do you stay energized for the company? What are you doing out of work or when, when you're not there? What is the like operating system for you, Shan? Well, I love to eat, cook, travel, and Right now, I'm real. I love watching basketball, and my team is the Brooklyn Nets, and so it's a very exciting year for us That's because <laughs> for the first time, the Brooklyn Nets made the playoffs after a very long time in the wilderness, and so uh, enjoying that. Even though they got eliminated in the first round of the playoffs, but the important thing is we got there. Um, for you, what keeps you sane? Is it sleep, exercise? What refuels you? Game of Thrones. Oh, sorry. Game of <laughs> Thrones is such an appropriate answer. It's such, a, it's such an appropriate answer. <laughs> uh, amen to that. Um, okay, so when it's Sunday night and you're looking at the week ahead and you're excited, not stressed, why? What's happening in the week ahead that makes you super excited? I am someone who always gets excited by bringing ideas from ideation into production, into real life, and seeing how they perform. And so uh, the thing that I enjoy most and get a lot of energy from is working alongside the Zola team members to bring the idea through all the different steps of whether it's a marketing idea, uh, operations idea, or a product and engineering idea, to see it come to life in the best possible way and to see it come to life really quickly and then get a fast response from users so we can change accordingly is, I think, all the fun of working in a tech startup. I agree with you on that. So if you had to step back and look at the wedding industry in a decade, what do you think are the big changes? Uh, You know, fast forward, look at the future. What are your big hypotheses for the wedding industry? You know, the big change that we're seeing right this moment is that it's the millennial generation who are getting married. And in the time frame you mentioned, it'll probably still be, this, you know, still millennials getting married. And when you think about what are the apps they love and what's important to them, it's really apps and products that take one to two clicks that are seamless, that are magical and prioritize experiences over things and that are Instagram ready. And so when I think about how that applies to the wedding industry, 
this is an industry that continues to feel very outdated and stayed and we're really trying to move it into a place where you feel like you could plan your entire wedding as easily as you order an Uber or you book an Airbnb and so our challenge is how do you take the 20 different things that a couple has to do today to plan one single wedding day and often they're on 20 different sites how do you bring it into one app and make it feel magical, make it feel like an enjoyable experience on your mobile device and in a way that is is beautiful and shareable on Instagram or any other platform? Uh, and if we can do that, we will have moved mountains in the wedding industry. Okay, quick fire round. Last yes. few questions here. Yeah. For you, your pinch me moment so far of Zola where you were like, I can't believe that happened. What was it? It's every time we have uh, someone that we've made an offer to to join Zola who you know, has many offers from many other great companies we admire and they choose to join Zola. That is always a moment where I think, wow, this is going to be great and we are doing something special. That's amazing. What's your favorite interview question? We ask this to everybody. The one where you feel like you can see into a human soul, you know who they are. What's your interview question? I like to ask, what project are you most proud of and why? And, and what does that tell you when you look <laughs> under the hood? What does that really give you? Yeah, I think it really gets at someone's emotional rewards. So what are the things that give them a lot of emotional, personal reward? And the things that you know is important to us are things like you know, people who feel emotional reward from working as part of a team, collaborating, innovating, doing things that have never been done before, that is important to us. Okay, so last thing, um, what is one thing that we should know about? So one idea, one startup, one product that you that is nothing to do with Zola that yeah. you're excited about right now? Yeah, well, okay, I'll give you one that I am an angel investor in and one that I'm not an investor in. Um, so one that I'm invested in is an app called the Nara Baby app. And it helps for any newborn or mother of a newborn or father of a newborn track all the feeding and sleeping and other associated activities in a easy, beautiful, seamless app. Because when you're a sleep deprived parent, um, who... you're talking to one right now. I'm like, are you are you trying to preach to my soul? <laughs> well, it turns out there's a lot of things you need to track um, and not an easy way to do it on your phone. And so this app helps you do that. I love it. And, and then the other one yeah, I was gonna say, which, what's the second one? <laughs> um, is the moment app. So it's one that is helping me try to live more in the moment by reducing screen time, monitoring screen pickups, um, monitoring apps that I've been using and how I'm feeling uh, given certain amounts of screen time. And, you know, the goal there for me is really to reduce addiction to my phone. I mean, I love it. Also, one thing I've been saying lately is I don't know why we call it a phone anymore. Yes. It's not a phone, right? <laughs> what, is, what is it? I mean, you're walking around with like an entire like yes. e ecosystem of computers <laughs> yes. in your pocket. Why do we call it a phone? It yes. makes no sense. Yeah. We probably talk less than we do everything else on it, right? Oh, so great. Um, so that was the insight I had the other day. And I was like, why do we call it a phone? It's so incredible just getting to spend time with you because you have such a like cool 
calm, uh, just poised, and underneath the hood is just someone who truly does love, uh, you know, your end consumer. And that really comes through. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, For everybody, if you haven't already checked out Zola, check out Zola.com. It's an incredible site for you getting married or your friends. And I hope you all will tune in next week for Inks, the Founders Project with Alexa Montobel. Thank you all. Thank you. Thanks so much for tuning in. If you like today's show, please rate and review wherever you get your best podcasts. My book, Financially Forward, comes out May 14th. You can find it wherever books are sold, and it will help you understand everything about the future of your wallet and all the best ways to save, spend, and keep your wallet secure.